Welcome to the Vitality Coach Podcast with the Mojo Maker and host Nikki Fogden Moore, the Vitality Expert, dedicated to helping you be the CEO of your business and your life with special industry and life-leading guests, top tips on how you can create that magical blend of healthy, wealthy, and wise for CEOs, entrepreneurs, founders, and people who do things with life. A welcome back to the Mojo Maker podcast. And like always, I'm always setting up in some random place in the middle of the world. But luckily, this time I'm in my own backyard of glorious Noosa with two incredible individuals uh, who I know, like, and trust a lot. And I can't wait for you to discover a couple of the key subjects on today's show. I know that time is precious. It's the one commodity we can't make more of. So we're gonna keep this short, punchy and simple. But as you listen to today's episode and you watch this video, I want you to think about how you can step in and take action if anything resonates and become that, you know, the adage, the change that you wanna see. So today's show is about a special coalition that is setting up a legacy, not only for sustainability in terms of our planet, but how we work in communities across nature and across different foundations, as well as corporate, non-for-profit, and the ones, the clubs, the heart of what we do to create something that future generations will be there for. So I would like to welcome the CEO of Save the Waves Coalition, Nick Strong. Svetic. Oh, perfectly done. Ooh. Thank you. And also a good and dear friend of mine, Al Ramadan, author of Play Bigger, the founder of Category Design and the co-author of this amazing book. You will have seen a couple of other podcasts with Al, so I'll put the links to those on the show. But most importantly today, I've captured these two to talk about the Save the Waves Coalition, not the fact that it's just an ocean project, but there's a very, very deep message behind the Save the Waves. So Al, tell us how this all came about and why you and Nick are sitting together today in Noosa on the 10th reserve that you've just- 10th World Surfing on. Reserve. Well, pleasure to be here, Nikki. And I joined Save the Waves about two years ago. I met Nick at a conference and fell in love with him and the mission. And I'd always been wanting to have something nonprofit that I could give back and this ended up being that vehicle and just delighted to be part of this thing and super excited to be here in Newsom. And it connected with you because you've got a strong history of surfing. Uh, we spoke before about you have, uh, there's a club, uh, a founding circle of your own and all the you guys get together. Yep. What's that called again? It's called the Founders Circle yep. and we, we created it about 12 months ago and it's about getting people connected to the mission of protecting waves around the world and protecting surf ecosystems. And Nick should tell us what actually Save the Waves does. And Nick, you uh, have gone to university with everybody, uh, uh, yes. so to speak. It was really fun. I remember our college days together. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so Nick, as a, as a re- relatively young CEO and someone that has been involved in, in this right from the beginning, could you just tell everybody what Save the Waves Coalition essentially is about, what the big overarching pillar is? Sure. Yeah. I've been a CEO for about seven years now, and it started actually in 2003. So we're, we're coming up on almost 20 years. It really started as uh, surfers banding together to protect their surf spots against things that were happening. And it was sort of, it was, it was really important at the time, but it was sort of a reactive type of organization in some, in some ways. This bad thing's happening. We're going to try to stop it with whatever means we can. So like a defense strategy. A little bit of a defense strategy. And I think when we just were looking at those are our waves, they're going to be destroyed. 
it actually probably wasn't a scalable paradigm. So we kind of pulled everything back and we said, what are we really doing here? We said, what we're actually doing is protecting surf ecosystems. So that's our very simple mission is protecting surf ecosystems around the globe. And what that means is really, when you think about a surf spot, it's more than just a watery skateboard ramp, right? Yeah. It's a bunch of stuff that's all together. So surf spots geologically and geographically are really, really rare around the world. There's only about 5,000 of them, right? So, and we found that each one of those spots, um, they're formed by a really unique kind of set of geophysical properties. So either a watershed or a reef or a deep water channel or a sand dune that makes that makes the banks and makes that break of waves is actually pretty rare. And then on top of that, what we've also found is it's a really a unique ecosystem of plants and animals as well that have have grown up around that unique set of, of geologic features. And then third in the surf ecosystem is people, and probably most important. It's important for people's well-being. You know, see outside Noosa here yeah. every morning. There's somebody up swimming, kayaking, stand-up paddling, surf skiing, surfing, or just walking on the beach, right? So they interact with that for your fundamental start of your day. What we also see is that it's a great, with the Noosa Festival of Surf, those surf ecosystems are also a cultural legacy too, right? Mm -hmm. It's a big deal for the town of Noosa to have all this history and culture. And I think third is the economy. So we see a whole economy that's grown up around these fantastic points here. So when we put those three things together, the place, the plants and animals and the people, and if that's the package that we're protecting, that offers a lot of value around the world. And so I think we're actually, we're furthering some really important elements by what we're doing in protecting, stewarding, defending these places. And I love the word stewardship. And I think that's, you know, that we always talk about that in legacy. I'm always chatting with Al about legacy. So tell me a little bit about the choice of using this word stewardship in the growth of the coalition. Yeah, I think it comes from a pretty simple equation that we sort of built. It's sort of when we set this big idea of protecting surf ecosystems and setting a big goal of protecting a thousand around the world. That's our, that's our your big goal. Where are you by, right by, now? 20, by 2030, we're at about 100 right now. About 150. 150. Right. So you've got 5,000 known surf spots in the world. Your goal is to protect a thousand of them that have tickled those boxes in yep. the framework we're about to discuss. Mm -hmm. yep. And you're at 150 now. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And so I think where I was going with that is that we have to say, what does it actually mean to be protected? So we've we put together sort of a, a little bit of an, an equation that says you need legal protection. You need an effective stewardship, legal protection being a state park or a national park like here in Noosa. Yeah. Effective stewardship. So taking care of a place, which is trash and water quality and erosion, those things that happen on a habitual basis. And then there's defend. Sometimes when it's already protected, you need to stand up for it and say, this is not okay in the place that we love. And so it's a combination of those three things of a, of a legally protected place, effective stewardship and a mobilized community. Yeah. And, we, and that's what actually protects a place. And with what have been the biggest challenges for you in setting this up between your vision and ideas um, and then grounding that in the steps that we're talking about rolling that out and getting people to do that trifecta? Well, if I could just sort of jump in on the stewardship thing, just one sec. This is the first time I've actually engaged with so-called local stewardship committee. And there was about here in Noosa. In here in Noosa. Yeah. And there was about a dozen people. And we had essentially a strategy session to identify what we call the threats. What are the things in Noosa that could, you know, screw up, if you like, the, the surf ecosystem here? And there's a few. You know, one of them was the socioeconomic stuff, which is, you know, people's behavior, cultural norms, all that sort of thing so in the water uh, in particular. Second one was, um, you know, this is built on a sand isthmus, 
uh, and has got, you know, uh, riprap down and we're trying to protect it from, you know, rising seas and erosion and all that sort of stuff. That's a big one. A lot of economic interest behind the seawall. Yeah. So that's 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 a tricky one. And then the third one, we had a wonderful trip around the lakes or the, the inlet yesterday and just seeing the expanse of fresh water and everything yeah. behind that and how that interacts with this whole area uh, was just fascinating. And so there was a dozen people in this in the stewardship committee, all different kinds of people from Noosa who took responsibility for A, getting nominated as a world surfing reserve, B, getting it to happen and dedicated. That's what we had the other day. And then C, the ongoing stewardship, which is a long-term plan, 5, 10, 15 years. And hopefully they have the same impact as the, the people in the 60s who put the national park here that in 50 yeah. years we'll look back and say, you know what, we were able to actually protect this place. And how would you get nominated to be a world surfing reserve? It's a long process, actually, as uh, as the folks in Noosa can tell you. It's a, it, was a, it was a long journey. Where so do you go to? Is it, do you go to you guys first? Yes, yeah, we have an application process, so it's it's sort of online. There's a degree of outreach that we do just to let people know about it, and there's a degree of demand that comes to us. So mm-hmm. um, we actually just did our, our 11th World Surfing Reserve vote and approved when we were on the Gold Coast. But we, we selected it, the final application from five different applications from around the world. So, and and many of these people have applied two years in a row and these are not easy applications to, to get through. So it basically entails putting together sort of a write-up on four criteria that we select. There's, there's some criteria that we, we work through to kind of vote on it, but the four criteria are basically the uh, surf consistency and quality and, and also diversity within that. So we like to see, are there waves a lot of the time? Are the waves good? And are the waves actually available to a lot of different types of surfers? Right. So it can't just be, is Choku? Is, uh, no, right. no, right. not yet. Would that, would that qualify based on those things? Or it, is it because it's such a de- depends on the other swell? Depends on the other, um, right. on the factors. Other, uh, the other criteria. So the other criteria is environmental characteristics. So right. what does it offer? What does it offer in terms of biodiversity or ecosystem services or endemic species or sensitivity, what degree of threats are there to the place? So we look at all that. Uh, We look at the history and culture as well. So does this place really important in either natural history or the culture of the area or surfing culture at large? Mm. And then last really is the most important. It's the local support and capacity. Right. So we need to have a really good team, a really good coalition on the ground to be able to walk step by step with us as we do this, because we're we're not coming and saving people's places for them. No, you're we're, setting the frameworks up and yeah. they do the work. Yeah, yeah. we work yeah. together to achieve the goals that we yeah. kind of outlined. So that, that those are the basic four criteria, and then we we have a 20 person vision council represented by 13 countries, and they vote each time. So we have a we have a ranking. We rank all of them with numeric scores, and then obviously there's qualitative things that won't come out in just the, you know, in the numeric ranking that we then discuss and then a final one's voted on. Those are the variables. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's so many non-for-profits, so many coalitions, so many foundations, like we have an extreme overload in today's society Mm. of of help and outreach on how we can get involved. And I always say these three things in choosing efforts to get behind. So does it resonate? Does it have a natural heart-led connection? Is it relevant to you and is it real time? And I think for any of you listening to this, 
what I'm going to do is put the guys in the hot seat now and say, if you are a corporate or if you're an individual like me, I know that I choose non-for-profit initiatives to get behind that meet those three criteria. Because for me, the ocean is the life force of everything. It's such a, a metaphor for me and all that I do with coaching as well. It's these ebbs and flows. So it's a real natural symmetry for me because also I spend so much time in it to really feel a strong bond to something which is going to create a culture and a lasting ecosystem. So setting up this foundation and this coalition and as you say pushing the message out Nick Mm. what are your you know two points I would say is keeping your momentum with so many people now in the program with so many people on your boards and on your committees how do you keep momentum when you have so many decisions to make and secondly how do you cut through the clutter and help people get on board when there are so many ocean projects at the moment and plastic-free and everything else. So those are two big challenges I'd see that you're facing right now. And how do you navigate through those challenges? So managing all the people involved and cutting through the clutter of being seen in a very big landscape. Yeah, I think it kind of starts with the value added of safe waves in general. You know, I think in in a lot of the environmental sector is really guilty of just kind of shaming people and making feel depressed and sad about the very large problems. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, we kind of have this fear button that became the button to sound the alarm, which works, but there's so many issues that it's overwhelming. People Mm -hmm. just tune up when you're like, okay. And this ice sheet broke off and it's melting and there's more plastic than fish. And then this turtle died because of the straw on its nose. And then this whale died and they pulled out 50 tons of trash and there's all these things that are, de- and we use these depressing images, right? And so I feel like let's reverse that paradigm and let's kind of think about it in a positive manner. And so let's take something we love and we do every day, surfing, and then not say, we want to protect that thing we do every day because we're personally connected to it and put that up yeah. rather than it's sort of abstract the fires are, are going to burn down everything and then it's going to slide into the, you know, just getting people really scared. Generally, I found that if you lead with something you love, you do everything you can for something you love. Yeah. If you have something that you fear, you do the basic minimum necessary to not have that happen. Well, you're going to avoid that, aren't you? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so the cool thing about, I think about Save the Waves is every one of us is to your point, related to the ocean and related to the ecosystem in some ways, right? Yeah. Um, my wife, Christine, doesn't surf, but she's really related to the otters and the whales and the kelp in Santa yeah. Cruz and the, the walk along the Westcliff Drive. And surfers are a wonderful channel for because they will mobilise, they will do things when there are threats, right? <laughs> um, and we've seen that across the world and we've seen it here in Noosa. You know, the people who are running the local stewardship council here for the most part are surfers. And they want to protect it. Yeah. And that's that's a really powerful force. And I think one of the challenges that Nick has and something that I've been working with him on is this is a network model. So you have, we now have 10 World Surfing Reserves. So there's 10 organizations, essentially independent in, in many ways, who are out in the world. Yeah. How do you connect them and how do you cross-pollinate? And mm-hmm. This time I think we was exciting because we had, you know, representatives from the Santa Cruz Long, uh, Stewardship Council. We had representatives from the Brazil you know, yeah. along with the folks from Noosa, and all of a sudden you start to see the cross-pollination. And so making that sort of knowledge flow and best practices and, yeah. you know, the, the common issues that they're all dealing with uh, more accessible, I think, is a really big thing. And then the other part of it, which I think Nick is really doing an incredible job of, is 
the mix of, if you like, revenue or income, I'm sure it's said something different to that in nonprofit world, but in my world, it's revenue is it, it, it used to be heavily weighted towards running events and grants. And there's nothing wrong with either of those two, but in and of themselves, they can be problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, events tend to be really low margin. So you end up spending a lot of time, energy and everything for a very small amount of profit, even though you do have a great benefit of getting people engaged and all that. And, you know, foundations can be time consuming. And so we have really made an incredible shift under next leadership in the last three or four years here, where now we have much more <clears throat> individual donors and contributors. The founder circle is one example of yeah. that. Uh, we have much less events on our books, if you like, and the, the, the grant process, we're much more strategic about uh, who we get engaged with at the grant level. And, and Nick is, uh, last year was a Malago fellow. It's a really um, important foundation in the United States and went on a follow, you know, sort of an education fellowship, which was helping him come to terms with, you know, how do you run yeah. uh, a, a nonprofit? And this nonprofit just crossed the million dollar mark, and it's about twelve percent actually make that. Yeah, and that, and I think that's what why this show today is so important is that um, you know we we can't be afraid of making money in for good reasons because you know we all want to have sustainability in this planet. We want people, we you need to know where your money is going when you get involved with a non for profit. You need to know who's at the helm. It's like any business, and I think like any business that scales and grows and suddenly reaches global perspectives and has more people involved, there is a power not only in having a clear trajectory for that, but the importance of being face-to-face. So the relationships uh, that bind the start of this coalition are what are going to carry it forward, which is having the Brazilian and, you know, uh, the guy's doing his PhD in Newcastle now yeah. on, um, you know, marine ecosystems and how the cities can be built around this. So I think the biggest message that I've learned from and why I think Save the Waves is so good is because it's run robustly. It's run with sustainability and with each pillar and each foundation, each brick being carefully put in place that you don't have to go back and redo it. And if you want to look under the hood, there are, there are very good reasons where you can look at profitability, people, a yeah. purpose behind it, and how you can get involved either as an individual or at school level or community level or board level or even a corporate level. That pathway has already been pre-thought out. So the one thing I think that is important for anyone watching this show, where could people go if they're like, I like the sound of this, I like the not only the depth that you've gone to in terms of the structure behind making sure that none of us were sitting on this chair, it would still continue, Yeah. right? So it's what you do when no one's watching. Yeah. It's the work behind the scenes. So where can people go to for three things if they're a corporate, if they're an individual, or maybe they're a board writers club and they're like, we really, we would actually like guidance on how to be good stewards. We'd like guidance on how to set up a committee that actually creates action not just sits around for an hour and has tea and cookies yeah you know what do we do to create action once we've got on board with something well i think there's a number of ways to get involved i think one thing that we like to say is it kind of with a business lens on sort of like we're looking for your investment in the sort of future of our coastlines Mm -hmm. right and there's three types of investment that i like to talk about right there's obviously the financial capital that helps a lot it makes the lights go and all that but there's much more there's your social capital as well. So who else do you know that you could bring into this, mm-hmm. right? Bring your network. Your network in. And then there's intellectual capital. What good ideas have we not thought of that you can add into the mix here? And so we always ask our, our folks to invest in those three types of capital in Save the Waves. Because it's much more than just saying, 
hey, Al, will you give me a hundred bucks and we could pay the lights tomorrow? It's, hey, Al, will you think, will you help me think about this yeah. for going forward? Because that's much more valuable, I think, um, most times. And in terms of what can people do really physically to get involved, um, the World Surfing Reserve Program is out there and accessible. So people can go to savethewaves.org and check Save that the out. Savethewaves.org. Yeah. Um, we have a robust sort of uh, corporate sponsorship model as well. So we have a lot of consumer brands and tech brands that we're working with really successfully to sort of tell stories about what we're doing in impact, but also involve that brand in the impact. Okay, great. Um, yeah. So we've got a number of uh, folks that we're, we're working with in that kind of lane. And then I think third, if there's sort of the individual out there, I think that's really important is how do I do something? I may not have a, a bunch of money to contribute or I don't run a corporation. I just want to help out. So we also have a, a mobile app that helps people actually monitor their own coastlines. And we map that out in terms of data across the world on the things that you're seeing on the ground to be able to share with our network. So okay. that's so just, that's kind of intel as well. So you become yeah. like, you know, a surfer, FBI surfer. You can kind yeah. of like, you know, go in and say, here's what I found at A-Bay and there's been some coastline change because, you know, that's the right. ocean is always moving. Um, it's just like we are, we're always evolving. Right. So those are really great. I'm going to put all of those in the show notes as well, put all the links on the show notes. Um, and I think our, what, you know, the one thing that is resonating around this is the structure behind the business, uh, and you're bringing new people in. So what would be one piece of advice you would give anyone that wants to jump on board with save the waves that wants to come and reach out to prepare before they just launch in? Um, you know, what things should they think about before they connect? Obviously, the first one is, you know, are you passionate about, you know, surf ecosystems? I mean, yeah. I think it's, for me that is what drew me to this was like a moth to a flame. Um, I was really passionate about that. And then in my particular case at Play Bigger, we spend a lot of time with entrepreneurs helping them, you know, develop and grow. That's sort of what we do as a business. And we've done that 50 times plus or minus now in the last 10 years. And so in my, my contribution to this was to really be a partner with Nick on this, to find a category of surf ecosystem uh, conservation and to then create sort of these compelling stories and messages about why people need to be involved in this thing. And my wife's a huge greenie, has been for a long time, um, is really troubled by uh, global warming. And, and climate change, and there wasn't really a place for her to go. I mean, there's no, we, if you said, okay, I want to contribute either money, any of those capital to something, it's hard to find something, whereas this is a really tangible thing. It's like get involved. If you put together your own stewardship committee for your own break, for your own area, for your own state if necessary, yeah. right? Like at, you can do it at any level you want. But be passionate about surf ecosystems and why they matter. So, if there's a, um, you know, if you're a school student and maybe you're like getting to be a pro surfer, or you're in year, I don't know, eleven or twelve, or you're listening to this as well, and it really resonates. I, I just think this is the thing. It's we've got to create a framework where if anything really reaches out to you, the systems are in place to help you go to see what's next. So we'll put all those links on there. You'll also, I'll put a little bit more about bio of, you know, Mr. Humble here, um, Nick, and of course the ultimate Mr. Humble, Al. They just are so connected to what's going on in the world commercially, but also personally with all the projects they're doing and leading with heart is so essential, but don't be deceived because if you look under the hood with Save the Waves, it's truly a benchmark for how non-for-profits can set up a sustainable 
well-run business to make sure that everything it's creating is going to be there to last for many years to come. So I want to thank both of you for being on the show and uh, putting up with a myriad of questions and putting you in the hot seat. No, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here and just thank you for making the time to connect with us and, and help spread the word. We, we truly appreciate it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to having um, some messages uh, for my C-suite when we come up. I'm going to get you to film a little how can they get involved and and Al, thank you so much. We're going to keep you, you here for a second because we're going to talk about discernment, which is the word of the year. And um, if you love this and you want to hear more, you know, I've got all the links on these guys. You can go more to the vitalitycoach.com.au. You can head to the podcast, The Mojo Maker, on all the usual channels. You can't escape. And I want to thank those of you that eagerly await, watch, listen, and learn, and give me your comments. You know, it's really humbling to be out there sharing messages of people that are leading in life and encourage you, you can do just the same. So until next time, you stay healthy, wealthy, and wise. Thanks for having us, Noosa and Phil Jarrett. Special shout out for being the man you are, bringing all these people together for causes that make a difference. See you next time, guys. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. As always, we'd love your review on iTunes, or you can jump online to thevitalitycoach.com.au. For more from Nikki, to sign up for the Monday Mojo and the Vitality Coach TV on YouTube.